I just like her so much. Uh, Liz Park. I love it when I'm. I love it when I'm going along in my life and I pick up people along the way and I know them for some rando reason and and now we're sitting here and talking to her about her amazing art and she's a full-time artist and when I met her, she was my coworker at at an energy bar startup company here in Teton Valley, um, headquartered out of Victor, Idaho. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I remember her being a friend of a friend or whatever. But once we started working together, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of got hooked on her style, like yeah. and her own her own voice as applied to what she's doing with um, contemporary kind of animal um, depictions and landscape depictions. And so, yeah, I've got a trucker hat with a Liz Park patch on it. I've got, I'm looking at a poster right now of a raven of Liz Park. Nice. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, Liz Park is peppered in my peripheral so to speak. And um, yeah, getting her onto the podcast just seemed kind of um, like just a natural thing to be asking somebody, especially her. Um, I was, I'm drawn to her playfulness. Um, I'm drawn to the vivid nature of how she presents her work. And um, she has embraced kind of the stark black and white stuff that doesn't have any color in it at all. And now she's back. She's come bringing color back into her life. In a new medium, you know, in a medium that you know she's still experimenting with. She's not a uh, crazy adept with cr- acrylic, but what she's doing with it is great. I mean, I mean, she could say she's not adept, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, she's doing all right. Yeah, the use of uh, background um, and color, or you know, painting a, a fish or a shark, and it looks like wood in the background. It's just, it's really cool. Um, and I think it's, it just, it shows, I don't know. It just, it's almost like it highlights the, the creature. Cause she speaks a little bit about how she doesn't draw every animal exactly how they are. She wants to, she wants it to have the artist's hand. She wants you to see yes. her interpretation of the animal. But then what happens is when the background is say, uh, a few planets in the background and a starry night, but it's a fish, it just enhances her style that much more and her interpretation of that animal it's really cool and i i am i'm proud of her for for picking herself up out of the tetons and going all the way to the pacific northwest Mm. and i really the reason for that a lot of the time um when i think about her art is that it just makes me think what's next for her because there is different light here and and she was looking at a whole different kind of it's the big five in the tetons we call it it's like wolf elk bear moose i'm missing one i'm sure everybody can correct me yeah but um that's funny she's it's true it's like yeah and um cougar i don't know yeah (laughs) something like that but um now she's in the pacific northwest and she's seeing a lot of water surface light Mm-hmm. And she, like she was saying, I love to gaze out on the water because I, you know, I'm, I could look at the Olympics across the bay, or you know, I could, I could turn around and see some of the Cascades as well. That that um, area yeah. she's in's got that amazing mix of um, seawater and like amazing landscape, and I think it's going to feed her in a great way. Mm-hmm. And even like she's like she's painting, you know, sea otters now rather than river otters, and you know, other stuff um, that she's kind of conjuring from from the environment she's in now. So another yet another artist who brings her playful side to the work and also absorbs her environment in such a beautiful way. You know, everything she's kind of producing is really fun. And um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. This is a, this is really fun. Yeah. Hope you all enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy. 
All right. Well, uh, Vance Pretend welcomes uh, artist Liz Park. And I understand. Hi. Hi. You are sitting um, quite near Whatcom County in, in the state of Washington, which is where Bellingham, Washington is, but you're a little bit away, but close. Yes. Yeah. Yep, I'm down in the little town of Edison currently, and the Smith and Valley Gallery is there, which is what I consider is the best gallery in the Pacific Northwest. Um, lucky that I have shown there for a little bit. I just had a big show there for the month of April, and they are graciously letting me use their space because the little farmhouse that I live in does not have reliable Wi-Fi or video but so i'm in actually um andrew valley's studio space that he's currently using and very gracious of him to let me do that i feel very lucky that i've made the friends and connections out here after moving um from jackson back about six years ago now so um yeah it's taken a little while but like to have the, be able to do this is i'm, I'm really grateful so yeah well, you have a lot to be proud of. And you and I have talked before about your jumping off point kind of into understanding medium uh, versus surface, how you could integrate, you know, both of those things into the presentation, how to find your voice in a place like Jackson Hole, which is just saturated with um, amazing, talented artists who are doing wildlife and landscape. And you've done both of those things. But Let's talk about how Where we do you met. Want to start? We got a lot. Let's talk about how we met. <laughs> yeah, we've known each other for a long time. I believe we met through granola bars, <laughs> real food, Victor, Idaho. I think here's the thing. I, I think I knew you by sight around the other stuff, though. Oh, sweet. Because of cool. just because of the art stuff. But yes. So Liz and I used to work for an energy bar startup here in the Tetons. And, uh, it was, um, it was, uh, <laughs> boot camp startup in a way. Yeah. Uh, but delicious. Really good. And, and the brand story was the whole reason why Liz and I were there. Cause the founder really had a, like her niche. And, uh, now you can find those bars on Delta airlines. Right? Yeah, she's crushing it, which is great. And I love the fact that me and Aaron Steiny used to go do, hey, it's going to snow. We're taking a powder morning. And she'd let us do that. Like, yeah, we'd have to work our, our butts off after. But, you know, we'd get to go up and ski. Well, he skied and I snowboarded um, for, you know, a couple hours in the morning. And then, you know, oh, God, we got to get back. There's so much we got to do because there yeah. was only seven of us working there right but that yeah. is um very much the teton lifestyle work culture yeah. and i actually ne will never forget the time that kate and i were having a meeting and she took me up mud lake trail which oh yeah <laughs> classic yeah right there <laughs> right should require hiking poles because i'm a sissy but those rocks are not a joke and like <laughs> sometimes you're just walking anyway blah blah I remember it fondly. <laughs> yes, it's very, yes. I'm very sentimental about Mud Lake Trail, which is why I'm there all the time. Just kidding. 
Like there, no. there was the other one that's up um, as you're going up Pine Creek Pass. That's Pole Canyon. Yeah, it's Pole Canyon. Oh, I love Pole Canyon. Pole Canyon's great because you get up there and it takes you maybe a hot 45 minutes to get up to the top, but then you've got an awesome view of the whole yeah. valley and the Grand and like yes. the whole thing. Like, yeah, I'd, I I'd go up there that. and I was like, I can be from my house to the trailhead in five minutes. Boom, boom. Like just up there and just get in the woods. Yeah. yeah. So you've been in the woods a lot. <laughs> Let's go the there. I don't, get, I don't get in the woods as much out here in the last couple of years because it's like, I do want to go, but it's also like time away from like, I really do want to be painting. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've got fuel from years and years of being out in the woods and and doing that that uh you know is is it's fuel for probably many lifetimes you know but yeah I try yeah. I like being near the water here in Washington um because that's that was a new experience that I it was only until I moved here that I was like oh that's neat. And the water here is neat because you're like, well, there's like salt water, but then there's mountains. So yay. Because when I grew up on the East coast, it was like, you go to the beach and it's, well, it's just, there's nothing to look at. Right. <laughs> and that's me being like a mountain snob, I guess, because it's like, I, I think I, you know, I lived in Savannah for two years and I went to the beach maybe once. <laughs> and you're like, it's right there. You never went to the beach. No, just that was never my thing, but I'm trying yeah. to imagine what that looks like. Um, I have been to, I've been to beaches in North Carolina. There's a lot of people, but there's no mountains when you look out. No, like, there's, it's not, there's a <laughs> flat horizon line. Which yeah. That horizon line, Liz, what a, what a bummer. To me. What a bummer. <laughs> um, oh so uh, there was a giant mountain out there or an island. Right? Come on. But that place is Washington state. And I want to tell you that I lived in Bellingham in uh six, wait, seven, eighth and ninth grade. And I went to see home high school as a freshman. I think That's it was crazy, dude. Right. Yeah, you were the one that when I was moving out here, like check out, there's a thing called Chuck and drive. <laughs> yeah. It's that place. Really neat. It's so great. Um, yeah, I really am still very much drawn to that area and consider it a second home. I I ended up there later in life in the um, northern Seattle area and then the Everett, Washington area. And um, that was all through the 90s. So I was I lived in the, I lived in that area during the grunge movement, which, you know, <laughs> in my 20s. So everyone knows <laughs> Jen's a Gen yeah. X. She's a Gen I'm, Xer and, she, and she's currently. proud. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm currently about 25 minutes north of Everett. Um, yeah. Like another 25 minutes for me to come here um, to Edison. Um, You're in a good spot. I, yeah, it's it's been great. I was up in Bellingham for a few years when I first moved here from Teton Valley. And, you know, divorce didn't work out. That's okay. That's life. But I realized I was like, I need to stay here in Washington like it, just, mm. it feels right yeah and it's very different and there's a lot of different the art scene is very different and it's been 
I wouldn't say a struggle. I feel like I've been very lucky with, well, the advent of social media in the time that since I graduated art school, that right. there was no, no mention of social media in our professional practices classes or anything and, and learning as it's grown, how to, how it works and how you can connect with people on a level that, you know, was only reserved for gallery spaces Mm -hmm. originally. And to be able to connect and show people, I call it the little bits of my brain, you know, when I post any like little short story of what I'm working on, or I'm like, Ooh, I'm jazzed about this. Like take a look at this, you know, it's that connection, the human Mm -hmm. connection what this is all about right and and truly i mean that's really based in the artist's hand the artist's hand is the human connection you know something that you that you firmly believe in um it goes way beyond uh social media you know these these um i want to call it what is it that it's really still the handmade life right being an artist and actually applying paint to canvas or surface you know it's still a, it's still very much an ancient practice liz and it's yeah. a slow, it's a slow thing to do because you're, you know, because you want to invest the right amount of time and do it um, sensibly within your artistic voice. But I want to say maybe the word sensible isn't applicable in Liz's case for a lot of things. Um, well, there's nothing sensible about any of my <laughs> no. Um, I really feel connected to Liz, not just because we're former coworkers, but because I think we both have kind of a sense of intuition that we follow. And, um, it's not just about creativity, but, you know, in private life and, um, where you should be even geographically in a way and, and leaning into those things. And, um, that does require embracing a sense of play and risk. (laughs) My entire life has been nothing but a sense of play and risk, man. So... Um, yes yes yeah I I mean yeah I feel it um with especially any of my moves and I mean I grew up in Pennsylvania went to school in Colorado for a couple years then moved to Savannah to go to art school and then moved to Jackson Wyoming and for any you know on paper anybody's going why why <laughs> but every right. single thing is just like me going this is what i need to do and yeah. this is how i go and every single thing just it makes sense a little bit more now like especially as i'm producing more yeah. art and when i can talk about it but you know as you and i have talked before it's it's like how much time do you have how do you end up in washington like ooh just let me go back to a weird wild story let me tell you (laughs) early 2007 (laughs) i don't know it's like everything is connected and embracing you know one thing after another in order to gain um more knowledge of self and of craft and of creativity and to bring it in you know and i was raised as a military brat and um when you're in it as a kid, you don't know anything different. And it's great because, well, it's bittersweet because you get to meet 
new friends every three years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can't go, and a lot of time you can't go back to anywhere because no, there's no root, there's no root um, kind Home of is location. Yeah. yeah. And even my own high school where I graduated from, it has, um, is sitting on a deactivated Air Force base in Spain. So, you know, the building's falling down and all this stuff. So as you get older, you look back and you're like, wow, what? (laughs) But um, it was, I have to say, um, I'm so grateful for the richest experiences of my life being dragged around by whatever assignment my father had in the Air Force because it was a really singular experience that I cherish a lot. And it taught me um, how to be very much aware of my environment. And you're always bringing in new things into your life. And that is, that keeps you alive and and makes you feel young all the time. You know, it doesn't matter what age. Yeah. It's your creative fuel because it really, even for me, if I'm feeling like stuck or just don't want to do anything, I'm like, go take a drive. And like so many of my ideas for things that I want to do come when I'm either taking a drive or just, you know, getting back and forth to like just things I need to do like and just putting new things in your eyeballs and I'm like wow I got got a lot of new things in my eyeballs like and I feel very lucky Liz is talking about how she likes to go for a drive but really she's seen so much peripheral moving from the a saddle um my friend my friend Liz Park is a horse wrangler friends this is (laughs) this is who she is Um, I, I don't know if you're never going to get away from it, especially after you told me the story where you were, you were used to English saddle. And when you got your first Wrangler job, you had to ride Western saddle and you'd only done it for maybe half an hour of your entire experience on horseback, which we can talk about in a second up to that point. And then she said to me, I literally had to buy a cowboy hat for the job, Jen. And I felt like I was playing dress up. Yeah. I did. I felt like I was like a Halloween costume, but I was like, well, this is my job. Like I have to buy boots and this cowboy hat. And like, this isn't me. And then eh, it became me right? <laughs> a little bit. Like, you right. know, it, it was, it was a really crazy experience to meet. Her name was Meg, who was the head wrangler at the ranch but I met her in an art class at Colorado state. And then we started talking about horses and she goes, you should come work for me. I'm like, what do you do? Oh, I'm the head wrangler at a dude ranch. And it's like, you can do that. That's a job. Holy crap. Like my <laughs> high school guidance counselor really screwed me over. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. And then I went and I led trail rides for people five or six people out into the mountains for two hours at a clip. Like, <laughs> and I was like, this is pretty rad. Like, cool. And then you start to right. really different trees and then right. you can know the different trees. Like, Oh, we're about 45 minutes in. There's that tree. Okay. Yep. How's it going? <laughs> well, not only that, like, yeah. Yeah. The uh, manner in which, um, one sees wildlife though, from that perspective, I mean, from the quote unquote cowboy perspective, and then fast forward to where she gets a a job at a dude ranch in the Tetons and then stays for how long? 
Um, so yeah, I, well, it was funny cause I got that job kind of sight unseen. I did a phone interview with Sean at the Grovant and I was still in Savannah. And I think at the time I was baking a hundred cupcakes for a performance art project that I had to do that I was not into because like just let me paint I just want to paint I don't, I don't want to have to do all this other stuff for art school but uh I was on a phone interview with him and I told him I was like yeah I'm in the middle of baking 100 cupcakes for this performance art project he goes well you have experience at another ranch you can get here and be here through the first week of October like sounds good like you're pretty much hired because I was like I have to make money I've got to graduate and like, I need to go get a job and oh my gosh, I have a degree in painting. What am I going to do? <laughs> and I was like, I can go work at a ranch. So yeah, I just answered and I got hired and I'd never been to the Tetons, never been to that part of the country and had no idea. Like that was seriously some crazy luck because then I landed in the Tetons and I was like, Oh, <laughs> this is a, this is a, this is a view. Yeah. <laughs> and also, oh, this is one of the best, like, richest art scenes in the country. Yes. Weird. Okay, cool. And I was just, I got really, really lucky with that. And, like, I, I can't thank them enough. And there's there's so much about my time there, like, especially in the Tetons at that ranch. Like, yep. I, bears, buffalo moose anything you name it i saw it from the back of a horse normally if i was lucky right and that um experience has fed your visual catalog um throughout you know kind of your coming into what is now a full-time art practice liz uh creates wildlife art that is um kind of from taken from a contemporary angle and uses uh you know mixed media in a way that i find compelling especially the stuff you do on wood panel but you're going back to Canvas now, and that is something that you mostly did in art school. Um, and I and I want to back it way up, too, and say that she has said to me also that she can't remember a time when she didn't want to ever not want to be an artist. Like, she always kind of knew that's the direction she was going to go in. And when she was growing up in Pennsylvania, her mother um, hooked her up with a really generous and creative community member who basically gave private lessons in art to small, like, like the ratio was five to one. Yeah. And, and she was encouraged. What kind of projects did you guys do? Let's talk about mixed media and uh, a private tutoring session with this woman. <laughs> you just kind of had supplies on hand and then right. she had like magazines and she would just kind of go, it was never a, we're all going to do one thing, you know, in tonight, we're just pick something that you want to work on. And then like, we could be working on something, you know, for weeks at a time, you know, I'd nice. do it once a week, and I could just leave things there. Um, but she would just kind of be there and sort of show you a little bit of like what you needed to do and kind of just kind of give you space and let you breathe. Like, to work on it. And then if you've had questions of like, how could I do this better? Or, you know, she'd help you with that. But it was very sort of loose and free and just- That's nice. Yeah. And that's kind of 
where I really, I mean, I was, you know, obsessive in the art classes in school, you know, and growing up where I grew up, I had actually a really great art program in high school and like really great teachers. And they basically let me just camp out. Nice. Great. You know, Um, by the time I was a senior, I think, I only had like four real classes that I had to go to and the rest of okay. the, like I was in the art room and they were okay with it. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> like, sounds good. I don't even think I ate lunch in the cafeteria at that point. I would grab lunch and then I'd just go, you know, I got, I got stuff to work on. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I can see that. I can totally picture that. Um, you've been so connected to your creativity for such a long time and you just were allowed both through um, kind of the encouragement of your mom and, you know, through high school and then getting to SCAD. Um, and and then I want to say, I also am friends with Liz. And when I think about her, I always just remember that she has such a playful personality. And, you know, she um, recently told me a story about an assignment she had as a senior and she encouraged all of her classmates to go right back to their basic instincts and just like do this project in crayon. Yeah. It was for our senior senior painting seminar. And I, I can't remember if I was the one that helped make it happen, but it was the whole class was like, we had a gallery space and it was like for our senior show, but we decided to do just our medium could be eight and a half by 11, like printer paper and crayons and it was just like well we're all graduating with bfas and painting this is really fancy let's just go back to like how we all started which was pretty much that and man you should have seen some of the weird wacky stuff that people came up with i mean just some of it was like really like layered and almost like fine art Uh i have a friend her name's emily that i still could see like what she did in crayon. I was like, well, you are a master. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy crap. Like, this is amazing. You have and mastered the medium of crayon. <laughs> all the rest of us are, most of us are just drawing like cartoons and just, aha, but you know, having fun with it. Now it's like, go back to like what you just started from. Like, yeah. Just, just make for the sake of making. You don't yes. have to monetize it. Like, yeah, I can't. I couldn't agree with you more on that point. And we uh, often do come around to that here on the on these podcast episodes that um, creating for the sense of making something that it doesn't have to make sense. You know, do it because you, it makes you feel good. Um, anything from gardening to knitting to you know, um, and then the other thing you said about. Uh, you said driving inspires you, but you also like to say, go touch some grass, which yeah. also keeps coming up. And as a theme here is like, nature is important. Yeah. Go outside, take yeah. your shoes off. <laughs> yeah. Throw your phone in a freaking ditch. Like, <laughs> you know, if you can, like, ideally, I was actually thinking, I was like, I just need to go get a flip phone and just stop like how much time I could reclaim in the day and I could use that time to make more art, which would be great. Like, <laughs> right. I actually oh, I was, be, yeah, I was trying to conceive in my head how cool it would be if we could 
bring back the rotary phone and like hook it up to cellular. Cause I, I want to do this. I want to pick it up, Liz. And I want to be able to slam down the phone. Oh, and, so you know, satisfying. I mean, it's like the flip phone too, being able to just smack it shut. Yeah. Aha. <laughs> but yeah, go, going outside, I mean, is usually where most, I mean, obviously since I'm mostly a wildlife and landscape painter, like, just need that stuff in my eyeballs and then whatever comes out of those experiences like sometimes I'll come up with something and sometimes it's yeah I'm driving to go get groceries and like oh, I should paint mm. that but you know I use a lot of photographic references and I always have just because that's how my brain works like I'm not a plain air painter you know I've tried mm-hmm. a couple times to like go set up and be outside and I just don't it's just it doesn't work for me and it doesn't really work for my process it's it's good it's good to get out of your comfort zone and and try new things for sure yes hello all producer Matt here just a quick interruption to let you know we had some technical interweb difficulty during this episode so this little break is where we were working on it but instead we just got Liz on the phone on speakerphone and had her going through Jen's uh, microphone so we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode okay well I'm I've got you on speaker <laughs> the audience these are the yeah. things we don't really want to try and hide sometimes it's like this is just the way it goes but yeah um, I um I was me- I was mentioning that you just recently had a sh- had an exhibit and I wanted you to could describe, well, first of all, it was a great success from what I understand. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And um, there was a fish depiction, though, that you did, and that was kind of massive. Yeah. Are you talking about the uh, the big northern pike? Yes. That's broken into three. Yeah. Now, I wanted you to kind of describe why you chose the northern pike and then really the scale. <laughs> scale. That's funny. Um, <laughs> of the piece, which, like you said, it was was a triptych. Yes, I um. So I had, I I have zero experience fishing at all. Like I think I went fly fishing once in the Tetons. Um, was lucky enough to go with like one of the guides from Worldcast Anglers, which is like the main, uh the main dudes out there oh yeah world (laughs) cast uh, right right yeah and i immediately it was like oh i see why people get into this this is cool like go out on a river like you know just hang out see what happens and it was i guess technically kind of a terrible day of fishing but i had fun anyway i go up to fairbanks alaska where my partner is from and he um, his grandparents live on this man-made lake, and it is just lousy with pike. And I had no experience with northern pike, and he has nothing but like respect for this fish. He's like, they are so cool, and here's what they do. And he was just describing, like, just absolutely. He's a lover of animals as well, and we go out on this canoe and we're just pike fishing and he's like so he he called it play by play before it happened he goes i really want 
a big one to come up from the bottom. And, you know, they call them lunkers, these big, like, three-foot-long pike. Right. To come up from the bottom and just scare the absolute crap out of you. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm in this canoe, and like, I'm just, we're just fishing. This is great. I'm in Alaska. woo And, oh, my gosh, Jen, this, we're in the corner of this lake, and I'm sitting there, which is like, <laughs> and I caught a, a smaller pike, you know, that was probably like six inches long. I was like, woohoo, I got one. <laughs> but then this thing from the bottom comes up and is just, and I just started yelling, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> because I saw it and I was like, it hung in the water for a second because it was going after the thing that I had. Right. And then it, it just fast as anything just comes and takes it and snaps the line of the fishing rod. And I'm just sitting in the canoe like, oh my God, it's going to come after me next. Right. And <laughs> I can't believe you fish for Northern Pike from a canoe. Like that, what are you even yeah. talking about? <laughs> Looking back on it, it does not seem like a great idea. Because I was like, oh, I don't want to go in the water. Like, this is terrifying. It was like Jaws. but like, Oh, yeah, those things are, they're dinosaurs, and they're ugly, and they have visible teeth. And oh, I once went ice fishing in Minnesota and saw one, like, birthed out of the hole. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, expunged from the lake. And, oh, my God, they it's scary. Yeah, and yes, yes. It, it made such an impression on me. I was like, I got to paint one of these suckers. And I was like, I, I want to paint, like, a really, really big, Pike, and I was like, I don't want to paint something that's like a super long canvas, like aspect ratio. I would, you know, I was like, oh, what if I like just broke him into threes? It was like, that's fun. That like, that's nice. fun and weird and new. And I've never done anything like that. Oh, I, I love your it. sense like, of experimentation. It always impresses me that you, again, I'll go back to, I think I said, I, when I think about you and because I know you, it's part of, part of what I love about you is your playful sense of, um, just like being able to experiment and do odd, <laughs> do odd things. Uh, she does paint, which a lot of what she's seen in the wild. And I think I said to her once, like, but that's not going to stop you from, you know, painting a narwhal. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll paint kind of whatever pops into my head. I mean, most of it is like things that I either have, like, I know I have a good photo reference for, um, because that just satisfies my need to like draw and really like nail the drawing. And like I said, I, if I can nail the drawing, I'm like, all right, now we're in play mode because yeah. let's just get weird with it from here. Like what, what kind of weird, let's try these colors in the background. And, you know, a lot of the backgrounds that I've been doing lately are very watercolor based and just watering yeah. down the acrylic on canvas. And then letting it sit and then using a spray bottle to kind of like spray onto the pigment and then just, you know, dropping more pigment in places and just letting it sort of bleed and then just kind of sitting back and seeing what happens because there's some of the anxiety of like having a blank canvas staring in the face goes away when you're just like, well, I'm just letting nature and physics like do its thing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so you're yeah you're embracing the spontaneity of what the medium can do when you treat it in a special way and and again um, I want to go back to the fact that she's done so much work on wood panel but 
now is going back to canvas, which is something she did in school with oil. So in yeah. fact, you um, came out of, uh, of SCAD having done just a lot of oil on canvas and believing that I'm going to be a fine art painter. And <laughs> well, and it's sort of that thing of like being a fine art painter, you're going to be oil on canvas and yeah. that's it, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of sort of what the vibe has always been and always was. And I'm like, I never liked acrylic because I was like, it just dries too fast. And now for me, being impatient, I'm using it to my advantage because I can get more done because now this is dry. Or if I were to try to do the same things I'm doing in acrylic with oil, it would slow me down. Right. And it, it and it would frustrate me. And mm. so now I was like, okay, I can learn how to manipulate this to fit my needs. And I don't even, I mean, there are so many different mediums, Jen, that you can buy for acrylic that do all kinds of crazy, like sculpting mediums, gloss mediums. And that's all too much for my brain. I'm just like, I'm just going to do like water it down (laughs) and use it watercolor in some ways. And then I'll get a little thicker with it. And beyond that, I'm like, I know that there's like a whole scope of things that I could probably be doing with it beyond what I'm doing. And I'm just like, I'm okay with where I'm at at the moment because this is good for me. I'm the amount of experimenting and what it's doing for my brain currently is awesome. And I'm like this, it already seems endless to me. So I'm like, right. Let's just, you know, I'm happy with that. But yeah, I've, I've got all those old oil paintings from school that I'm just like, um, I don't know what to do with now, but you know, because you can't paint acrylic over oil in theory. Or I could just, you know, say, hey, screw, you know, whatever archival norms are out there, and just, you know, paint over it. Which I don't know. There's something. Yeah, you never. I mean, you just never know what you might be able to do with um some of your old work, or at least just kind of take a look at it. I mean, yeah, artists hang on for the, to their stuff to stuff for a reason, and. You know, it's not about like, am I finished with that or not? Will I ever paint the same thing again? It's just kind of like, take a, take a minute to recognize how far you've come a lot of the time. Keep some stuff hanging around, you know? That's funny that you just mentioned painting the same thing again, because that is also something recently that I, I kind of have gotten into is because I've taken all these amazing photo references of bears and wolves and ravens, I'm like, why wouldn't I paint the same one that's a good pose mm. on a different size and try it a different way? Like, I had never done that before because mm. I felt I was like, you paint it once, like, you know, it's done. No. And I recently in my own brain went, no, you can do it again, do it different. And that has opened up a new world for me of like, yeah, why not? Like, that lets you get experiment and get weirder. Right. Things. So it's like... Yeah, I'll take the same view of Mount Baker over and over and over again because, like, you know, I see it here and it's like, you know, painting the Tetons over and over and over again, but it's always different. Yeah, it's about, you know, yeah, you see you see so many different faces um, in wildlife art, I think in landscape art. uh, It's it's so great that we can um, enjoy art um, of the subject matter and see it from the perspective of people that, you know, channel it so differently. And and I do want to shout out one of your influences in the Western um, art kind of sector. It's a man named David Riley. 
Um, you know, Liz is is working on really these are animal portraits. I think that's kind of how I see them. They're just you know they're in their element and and she treats it so well. Um, she's done it on different mediums, but I kind of want to shout out David Riley. I'm also a fan because he is also a wildlife portraitist, <laughs> um, but his stuff is done in a really um, uh, black and black and white uh, primarily. And then I had the pleasure of seeing um, he did a series of rock star portraits. And I don't know, to see like the bison next to Jimi Hendrix or to compare what he's managed to do. Um, and then within that neutral palette, right, the black and white. Um, can you talk to me about that a little bit? Because you did work in black and white for such a long time. And and tell me what um, what attracts you to, to David Riley's art. Um, yeah, I worked in black and white for so long because it was right after art school. And then I found myself all of a sudden in a Teton winter for the first time and just like, wow, there's no color. <laughs> it's black and white and tree trunks, basically. Right. And I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. Like, I really like the patterns and shapes. Like, you kind of pick everything down to just patterns and shapes that you see. You know, just the world just sort of takes away that part of your brain for almost eight months out of the year and I was like okay I don't mind that this is fun I'm you know drawing is kind of my first love anyway I was like so let's just pare everything down to black and white and I started doing just ink on paper and also I didn't have a lot of space where I was living at the ranch um, that I couldn't really set up a full you know oil painting setup I was like what mm -hmm. what's kind of small and portable and so I started working in the black and the white and then it transitioned to working on wood just because I had some scrap wood that the ranch had given me that was nice treated oak and I was like oh I could do that on this and then that's kind of where everything oof, exploded for me of like find really finding a voice yeah that felt like it was me and it was fun and it was something different. So it was like really black and white and wood. And it, there was no animals for a long time. Um, and then the first one I ever did on wood was a little fox. And I was like, well, I can do everything else. And I don't even have to paint any color on him. He can just be the wood. And then it was like, oh, crap. Like, what have I done? <laughs> because and I was like, and here we go. And that's sort of where you know kind of everything started for me in Jackson and like started to hit and you know when I look at David's pieces that are he's sort of got his formula that a lot of them are mostly on squares yeah with a white background but he every single one is interesting yeah. and you know because you know there's using photographic references and being a realistic painter but like there's only so far you can go with that because what's the difference between doing that and taking a good photo of an animal? Right. The painter's, the painter's hand is like what you want to see. Yes. You want to see it be manipulated in a way that you haven't seen before. And like David definitely does that because Agreed. you know, his, his drips that he does is it's just so satisfying because again, you're looking at just nature and physics doing its thing. Right being interesting like you you could as an artist 
do that by hand, but it's way more fun to just kind of roll the dice and be like, well, I'm going to let some drips go here. Yeah. And let the medium and the, yeah. Let the medium and the surface aid you. Yeah. And it just kind of shows. And there's a, there's a bit of like, Oh God, you got to like, let go of control, which is right. Also yes. what so much of this is about is like having so much control. Cause you're basically birthing something from nothing. But then at some point you just let go of control, mm. which is scary, but it's really fun when it works out. Oh man, that feeling when you're like, ha ha, look at that. That's cool. Yeah. And you're <laughs> like, I sort of did that, but actually it's just the, you know, capillary, you know, of right. water. <laughs> sucking the pigment in here. Like it all makes sense. And on a, you know, basic physics level, but right. You know, I did that. Right. And, but yeah, you still I, have to, yeah, you still have to allow it to happen. Like, yes. right. And kind of be present in understanding that it may just take care of itself if you just let it go and just kind of hands off. And yes. yeah, I want to, um, yeah, you gotta I, do a little bit of the, all right, let's, yeah, you know, definitely. And I, that sense, right. That sense of trying to apply control to the creative process, you know, it it does its diligence to a certain degree when you're trying to develop skill set. Um, you, like you said, you know, get the get the drawing right and then go crazy. But you know that that yeah. requires skill and some tra- and training for sure, and repetition and being uh, feeling comfortable in the element where you absorb the inspiration. Like you were saying, I'm a visual person. I'm not going to take handwritten notes, nor am I going to go out there and create a piece of art to take back as a study, it, it, you know, it's just the way I perform is this is special to me. And so I love that, you know, yourself Liz so well and what you prefer to how you absorb information. I mean, it really matters, get comfortable in how you take things in and um, make it yours because that's what makes it original. Yeah. And it's, it's been crazy that, I mean, I'm, I'll be 40 this year and I'm just like, Oh, I'm so excited about the pieces of art that I haven't created yet. Yeah. Wow. What a great. Oh, oh. my gosh. I'm so excited. Like, I don't know what they're going to look like. I don't know what they're going to be, but I'm like taking all this stuff that I've done and like learned already. And like, because I mean, yes, there are virtuosos out there that are, you know, 16, 17 years old that are doing amazing pieces of work. Yes. But I, it really is sort of a culmination and a gathering and, you know, yeah. you're sort of like a dirty air filter in a car, you know, if you're an artist that just has taken all these hits, you know, in life and just experiences. And then that's when things start to get interesting. Like, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, I know, I know what to do here. Like, right. I, my whole new thing, too, has been like, gotta add burnt umber to everything oh right (laughs) you know because life is dirty everything is dirty like you start using these like colors straight out the tube and it's like why doesn't that look right i'm like well it doesn't have gotta just throw some burnt umber in there and then it usually fixes everything (laughs) right so burnt umber for the win for any burgeoning uh Yes, burnt umber into everything. Unless you're doing white highlights at the very end, but just mix it into every single color. That's great input. (laughs) All right. Um, I think I'm going to end it there because I love the, just let's wrap it up on, um, I can't wait to see what I make next. And that's such a hopeful message. Um, 
investing that um, kind of excitement and enthusiasm into your own work is, you know, it, it, it actually is a gift because, you know, you got to be in your own best friend when you're creating and, and keep giving yourself those pep talks. And I just love that about you, Liz. Thanks for coming oh. on. I love this. Oh, it's so fun. Well, thank you, Jen. I'm just, I'm so glad that I get to do this. This is the first time I ever like really talked at length about, you know, my crazy brain <laughs> and, you know, how I make it work and, you know, oh, I have so much more to say. And yeah. if anybody ever wants to chat with me, I, I love talking about other people's art. I think oh, I could go on for hours and hours about artwork that I love from other people yeah. and, you know, That's materials. Fun. And it's just, it's, it really is just like, it, it is me. Like there's never been a separation of me and art. It is just, it is me. It's so integrated. <laughs> yeah. It's so integrated into you and, um, and how you're absorbing life. And from one wanderer to another, Liz, like this has really been great. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks, Jen. I yeah. appreciate you. So we need to do Zoom cocktails soon. And uh, I think Sounds we are good. already on Zoom um, phone call wine recently. I didn't really realize it was happening. but <laughs> Oh, no. well, you you need to come out and eat oysters. <gasps> oh, right. Yes. Drive up Chuckanut Drive and go to Taylor Shellfish. That is a that is a goal we're both trying to meet with each other. So, yes, I next time, you'll hopefully, hate, I'll come you'll to hate you. Me. You'll hate me if I tell you that it's only literally like seven minutes up the road from where I'm at right now. Oh, <laughs> the jealousy in my, in my, uh, in your food, soul. my food loving gut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, Thanks yeah. lady. Advanced Pretend is a podcast produced by Nine Stories Creative Podcast Studios, created by Jen Ryan, executive produced and edited by Matt Jackson. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.